2: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond, And this is TalkArt. Welcome to TalkArt. How are you, Robert? Really, really, really excited. Why are you really, really excited? Because I have so much
3: respect for today's guest. (laughs) You do? Why? Which she finds very entertaining, (laughs) as (laughs) as you can hear. Um, I think she is a very inspirational person because she is so interested in the world and so interested in different... uh, like she's an actress mm. a leading actress yep. making films and on the stage and a brilliant and actress at that. has been acting since the age of six years old um which we will talk about later mm-hmm. but um but actually i just love her enthusiasm for art for film for fashion for you know being a great person in the world and trying to make the world a better place basically
2: yep. so she's a people's she, person she's a people's person she's a people's princess
3: and super intelligent and all these things yeah and stylish and wonderful yeah so yeah um this uh incredible actress i think came to the forefront in a show called fresh meat as the character vod i think that was the character probably that connected with the most people mm-hmm. and when i first started hearing about her but actually it was the role in the recent movie velvet buzzsaw which mm-hmm. is on netflix and you can actually watch it now with jake gillenhall and also Rene rousseau mm-hmm. who i would love to interview one day because i love renee yeah you're obsessed. um i am obsessed with renee um but that film like for me was so interesting because I'm, I'm in the art world and it's about the art world mm-hmm. so at first i found it a bit jarring and a bit strange but as I kept watching it was mainly her performance in that film that drew me in and convinced me in the end that it was an amazing film so we would like to
1: welcome Zowie Ashton. Ashton, thank you so much. Uh, that was the best intro ever. Good. How are you doing today? I'm really well. I'm I love your well. bubble hat. I'm just wearing a bubble hat, just very um gently because I feel like <laughs> so just very gently. It's, sort of right. it's not too, it's not too, it's not far, too down far down, and it's not Brian Harvey from Year Seventeen <laughs> just, like, balancing precariously. No. Yeah, but sometimes, quite honestly, it helps. Helps me uh, form thoughts wearing hats. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Isn't that weird? On days where I feel like maybe a bit tired or a bit sort of um, scattered, which I do at the moment because I'm, as, as you said, I'm, I'm, well, sort of said, I'm performing in a, a play every night and have been for what feels like
2: six months. Is it starting <laughs> to feel like it's a long job now?
1: It, we're loving it so much. You got extended it's, as well, didn't you? We, we've extended by a week, and I right. think that sort of just tipped us into the. It's like a sort of cray-cray zone. Got it. Because um, it's been hysterical. We, we're, we're in Betrayal at the moment, Pinter at the Pinter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are meeting, as a cast, other people from around the West End who are sort of going, oh, gosh, our play, our run is so long. And we're like, oh, when do you finish? We'll try and catch it. And they name a date that's before we end. <laughs> And we're like, oh right, <laughs> <laughs> it was long, quite long
2: because <laughs> I did Pinter at the Pinter last year, and my run was three weeks, and I was like, I want more. And then when you said you were doing like six months, yeah. basically, I was like, oh, quite jealous about that. But
1: well, do you know what it is? And and it's not a complaint that we're running over time, or you know, that we're not enjoying ourselves. We are loving it so much. But I think Harold Pinters life it, on stage the, the worlds that he creates mm-hmm. are so intense mm-hmm. but they sneak up on you mm-hmm. so we've had like two months of just falling in love with each other and having fun and, and doing all the rest of it and now we're sort of entering into the space where it's like oh I'm, I'm actually quite sad and I feel like I've been carrying the themes of the play Wow, yeah. quite deeply for, for more than I realised for a very long time you know it's quite funny I
3: said to Russ last night we had dinner and I said to him I was really proud of him because he's just been in that new BBC show years and years Can't wait to see and it. when I watched it I said to him, it's award-worthy. You know what I mean? Like, it's that good. Like, it's a really, really good show on all kinds of levels. The soundtrack's amazing. The script is amazing. The acting Incredible is flawless. Cast. Across the cast, exactly. Amazing. <laughs> but, um... Thank you. Sorry, I don't mean to be a bit <laughs> over the top, but I actually am proud <laughs> no, of him. I think it's a great thing. And then I said to him, the only other times I felt that level of pride was when he did HBO's Looking, oh, and then when he's been on stage loved. twice. Once was um, in Broadway in America when you were in View from the Bridge yep. with Mark Strong and some other great actors, and then in London when you did Angels in America. But he said to me oh but what about pinta i thought you really liked the pinta one (laughs) and i said yeah i did like the pinta one but Pinter's kind of twisted yeah. and I didn't actually necessarily come out of any of the Pinter I saw about four or five of them that yeah. season I didn't come out feeling great after any of them if yeah. anything I felt weird and a bit dislocated and a bit <laughs> yeah. messed up and Brilliant. it almost brings up the bad parts of humanity but yeah. I know that means it's successful and he's a great writer and I'm not yeah. saying he's not no. but it, just, it is a bit twisted and I can imagine if you embody those characters it must start to actually almost eat away at you or something like-
1: I think uh, it also his, his language is so poetic and so brutal but it really does resemble real life. Life speech yes. for me anyway, yes. but but it's just that slight off kilterness to it that makes you feel like you're potentially just um, in quite a naturalistic play, but actually what's happening is is something much deeper. And as you say, sometimes quite quite twisted, quite, yeah, quite mm. dark, yeah, yeah. And you're that's playing, why we love it. Art, an art dealer in that, aren't I'm you? playing a gallery owner. Yes, having just done Velvet Buzzsaw, I know playing so funny. a gallery assistant. Yeah. and as someone reminded me the other day, I had a cameo in. Um, Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals playing a gallery assistant yes. Amy Adams. Oh, my your God. Your time In you my, know my first film with Jake Gyllenhaal. I've, I didn't realise I've actually done two <laughs> films. I forgot you Jake were in Nocturnal, Nocturnal animals. animals. It's not something you forget. You were great in Nocturnal Animals. Thank you. I really... I, I think so, too. <laughs> I mean, as much as you can do with a minute's sort of screen time, I think <laughs> I did. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So who are you basing your art gallery owners on?
1: Do you know, it's so... Uh, it's so interesting, the levels of research I've had to do mm-hmm. into the art world mm-hmm. uh, over the past, what would be sort of a year and a half, a couple of years now. Because there's no one, You, it's one of those ones where truth uh, will be um, less easy to understand on the screen than a sort of a fictionalised truth of that person. Does that make sense? Fun. I feel like there are people I've met in the art world who I'm like... If I put you on on screen, people would be like, You went too far. I know. Yeah. Do you know exactly. what I mean? It's yeah. what that weird thing where mm. you can't just borrow from life. I mm. think pe- pe- people assume that you can just go out there and find an icon for your character and just copy them. Just
2: Mike Lee it sort of thing, Just Mike yeah.
1: Lee it. But even that, you're sort of trying to be yourself. You're like yes. the version of yourself that he wants you to be, aren't yes. you? So uh, I've had to, ironically, put an artistic lens over the artistic. People, that I've met in wow. order for them to register as being <laughs> from the art even. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, That's so very So
3: when I first saw Velvet Buzzsaw, I saw like a post on Raven Smith, another guest of this podcast. He's a Vogue journalist, and he posted a picture of Jake Gyllenhaal, and it was very witty. It said something like, "Because he often makes out he is the person in the image." So he <laughs> said, "This is me as uh, googling nude pics of Jake Gyllenhaal or something." You know, in the scene where he's with his boyfriend yeah. naked. Yeah. Oh, on I, I
1: loved that scene. It's an amazing scene. <laughs> But, so but I immediately reasons. then
3: watched Velvet Buzzsaw and Ugh. a lot of artists I knew had seen it and a few were like I just didn't get it or it was too over the top or something mm. so I, I watched it with a bit of like going into it thinking I'm not going to like it yeah. mainly because I feel like the art world is often really badly represented in movies yes. I feel like you can't quite ever get it right and you know what the main problem is the artworks they include in the, in the films not yes. in your one actually because yeah. yours was actually quite well done but um, are often just terrible and you have yeah. these cliches the of like, and they're of, often yeah. really bad yeah. photography where you'll have really hideous... But again, Nocturnal Animals is one where I think the art in it was actually quite genius. Like, yes. that opening scene all that stuff was quite realistic in a way. So mm. it's a bit more believable. But So I went into it a bit sceptical, basically. And it started off, and I was a bit watching Jake's character, and I was thinking, this is so elevated and so ridiculous. <laughs> and then I realised, hang on a minute, that is kind of what the art world is, especially okay. Art Bars on Miami. Yes. And it's the art world that I've often hidden from and tried to run away from, these exaggerated characters. And I had an experience myself at Art Bars on Miami with this amazing guy who sadly actually passed away now, I think he um killed himself actually a few years ago called Dr. Brandt. He was oh, he was one of the Botox pioneers. Right. But he, he came onto my booth one year at Art Basel, Miami, and I was showing um sort of work that was white aluminium with kind of like axe marks almost through through it. You know, Hilo like Hines. Hilo Heinzman paintings. Very minimal, very mm. um So our booth in Art Basel sort of went down like a lead bomb because um like a lead bloom because um it was just like minimal and at art basel you want maximal you maximum. want the kind of like bright colors shining neon you know that's kind of what art basel can be
1: I know sometimes this yes i yeah. can say yes it is exactly. because i know these things did very... you shoot
2: it at art basel absolutely
1: not no no it was recreated that, that though was you in miami <laughs> we at all, wouldn't have let no. In. all right. um no we recreated art basel in um in in l.a yeah,
2: right, right, right. Yeah,
1: a, a, a huge sort of conference center. In it LA. looked
3: very similar, though. Yeah, it did look believable. Well, it,
1: I, can't, I can't, When I walked in, my head exploded. Yeah, because genuinely, you could. It wasn't you like could oh, shop the fair. you could shop yeah. the fair. It <laughs> wasn't like oh, behind this booth is you know just nothing. Yeah, yeah. it was a real life working set, yeah. and yeah, it was Amazing. it was extremely exciting. So I feel like I've been. I haven't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I know I know what you're talking about. In but terms I remember of him coming impact.
3: coming on my booth and being he sort of stormed around the booth, looked at it, and said nothing to me and then stormed off so it was a silent interaction and I was like because my booth was empty as well at this point so it was really fascinating and then 10 minutes later he comes back on with 6 people who were his art advisors who then communicated to me so he didn't talk to me directly and they they were his voice and they were like Dr. Brandt really likes this work like can he buy the whole thing la 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 wow. and we, it was just fascinating and to be honest that was more heightened than the film so yes. in a way I've experienced what I thought watching it was a bit heightened it was extreme yeah but as it went on I was like this is actually really like quite
2: close gentle to the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: so I, I actually love the film and I think the more kind of horror it became yeah. you know when Rene Rousseau's um, oh, obsessed, tattoo starts yeah. you yeah. know yeah. She's spinning my yeah. was, oh. it, it actually was just I'd suddenly started to realise it had to be that heightened in order for the movie to make sense and it for it. for it's a really clever film actually
1: well what what I think the genius of Dan Gilroy who, who wrote and directed the film it is is that he he uses the art world and the characters within it and the personalities within it and the power play which is huge which I didn't realise and but I don't think I realised just how much money is exchanging hands in that world. I think that was the first thing that really struck me when I started to research it, um, because it is as much a bank as it is a creative zone. Mm. Um, And so he, he has used the art world, I think, to really create... For me, what is like a parable, almost, or or something that feels very prophetic about how our world is going, and how if we uh, if we keep trading art and commerce, you know, if 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 art and commerce keep being these extremely uncomfortable bedfellows, which I think in lots of ways they are, yeah, totally. Um, what, what will happen? You know, the, the commercial mm-hmm. or the commercialization of culture is a huge thing and just the commercialization of the world is this thing that's sort of it's dangerous def- it's definitely yeah.
2: uncomfortable from people who aren't part of the art world when they yeah. look at that that for them it's the mystery of that, and it, it is scary. Yeah, when you're in it and you sort of understand that, yeah, you are you slightly blink yourself to it as well. Yes, the of unregulation course. of it, the you know the fact that you money can move around and it is a bit kind of like laundering. And I guess, yeah. I guess,
3: I guess you and me are like we're on a price point where it's just so low in the art world that we we aren't quite on. Yeah, we, we, we don't quite. Well, even my art in my gallery, it goes up to maybe a hundred thousand it, yeah. pounds. It'll never go. It doesn't really at the moment yeah. go beyond that. So I think we're quite protected in a way. And I struggle with the whole thing as well myself as a mm. gallery because i love art and i was a musician originally so right. for me i care about creativity and that's why i wanted to work with artists yeah that love side of it
2: well the passion we're in it we're doing it, this and same we with love, russell love art, exactly so he loves art. artists, yeah. it's
3: not really about the money side of it so no. I, I, I even have conflicts with that myself but well, i think he's yeah.
1: also made something that's a quite a, it's a parable also about hollywood yes, yes in lots of ways. i think there's lots of different ways to read that film yeah i think again you know franchises and Mm. big money and getting returns on your opening weekend Mm. is suddenly the the only thing that's important and actors... Might as well take their names off their headshots if they are going that way because it, it can be replaced with a figure. And does that make you feel like an artist when that happens? No. Question mark.
2: No. Well, I mean, it's like WME, William Morris Endeavor, is my agency in the states, and they now look after Freeze Art Fair. So this year in LA Freeze, this year was the first oh. time that they took talent around, and it, it properly crossed over. So that's oh, I a love proper. Love fi- Yeah. Yes. So you
3: now have Brad Pitt going. You now have all these Hollywood stars going via to a fair their agent, via their going.
2: acting agent, yeah. talent oh, I've just agent
1: at Brad Pitt's home in the new L Decor. Are you thinking oh. about getting it? I'm thinking about buying it, actually. <laughs> he's, he's, incredi- he's got an incredible feel for space and yeah. for art.
2: Really?
3: Yeah, Yeah. I think he's a, his he's a home is wonderful. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Actually, Russell's just had his home photographed for Architectural Digest. Yeah. Yeah. Aww, I'm thanks. really proud of him because he's, really, he's, he's, he's like learnt so much about design and about art, of course, but but it's not just art. And the house does look beautiful, so he's now had that
1: um, put down in photography Recorded history. forever. Please come over. please
2: <laughs> yes, <used> come <laughs> over. Yeah. So for you, when it comes to art, do you collect at all?
1: I have not started collecting yet.
2: Do you feel inspired to after doing? I
1: really do, and do you know, on the way here, I cu- I couldn't remember. There's there's an, uh, there's a piece of art that I saw at the um art fair at Business Design Center, mm. uh, maybe two three years ago. Um, what I is that
2: I'm- art fair? What's that one called? <sighs> It's not the affordable art fair. It is the affordable Uh,
1: art fair. I don't know if it is the affordable one. I think it's like the London art fair. It's London London art fair. London art fair. Yeah, London uh, print
2: fair. No, no, I don't know. Okay, carry on. Sorry,
1: one of those. It was really unhelpful to bring up something I can't remember anything about. But um, (laughs) I saw this piece of art, and which is a screensaver on my iPad, and I went, I have to buy it. I had, feel, I had that feeling I had that feeling of I could, I need to overspend I need to <laughs> just I need to have this now I need this, this, in, my I need this in my life and and I need this in my life forever my relationship to buying things that will last until I die has been very well, it was just basically aligned with my fear of commitment. I think you'll have that, that bubble hat like, for many years. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be the only thing left, I think, by the end. <laughs> is this cheap? I think I actually got it for free. That's probably what, why I'll take care, such good care of it. But I, I was like, oh my goodness, this is messing with my fear of commitment. Because I suddenly want to commit to something. And did wow. you? No. Oh. I walked away and went, oh, come on. Don't be don't How be ridiculous. Was it? it was £12,000. And what was it? Is an incredible portrait of a man with his hands behind his head.
3: Wow. Like a painting or a...
1: Like a... F- photograph or... Two. Okay, cool. That. Oh, oh yeah. wow. So oh, I, need to find, I need to find the artist. She was exhibited at, like at the Jack Charple Bell Gallery. Yeah. Like a
3: drawing. Yeah, what yeah.
1: gallery was it? It's beautiful. Jack Bell Gallery. Okay, okay, cool. Um, we're, we're, we're,
3: we're, we'll do our research and we can put it on the Instagram
2: for people yeah. to see.
1: That would be amazing. I'm good at all that. I'm so do you have
2: regrets images. now about not buying that? I
1: still regret not buying it.
2: And have you contacted the gallery and it was sold? Yes, I have. It yeah. was an original. Oh, I it see. It was an
1: original. And, and, and the, the, ga- the gallery owner said, look, I will tell you that the person who's bought it feels as passionately right. <laughs> about so it as right. you Does do. Does that
2: feel good for you or annoying? Annoying! Yeah. Yeah.
3: It was like, Surely. But I must say, sometimes the first thing you see by an artist, even if you really soul connect with it, might not actually be the one that You'll end up loving long term. It's really strange. Mm. So maybe if you keep following that artist's work, they might make something else that then actually is the one. And I I believe in karma and all that kind of stuff. Not art karma. Yeah. We have the little jokey phrase, art karma. But (laughs) like, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be. For example, um, Russell bought this work in an auction once for charity that I wanted to buy, but I told him about it. So he bought it for like 800 quid. And then five years later, he was like, you know what? I've got nowhere to put it. I know you loved it. Why don't you have it? And I now live with it in my lounge. And I, I always wanted it, but I couldn't have it. So you never know. It might even come back to you.
1: It might come back. One of my proudest pieces I have on the wall is a is a knockoff copy tretchkov but it's the yeah. African wow. woman, yeah. and I've found it in L A. and in I, a junk shop or in a, 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 like um uh, there'd been an estate sale
2: right oh wow I love those. all the
1: stuff from the estate sale have yeah. just ended up in this kind of temporary shop furniture shop and it was my last day in LA and I just auditioned (laughs) quite this can be quite awkward you you know what this is like Russell I just auditioned to play an escaped slave um which is something that is kind of edgy when you're an actor because you're kind of going in going um okay obviously I have to just connect with the script and I have to do the best job that I can but this is so massive Mm. as a concept and a, yeah. and a, and a, pl- and a p- point in time like mm. I feel I don't feel okay like there's so many questions and there's, embodying that is very hard and, and when I came out of the audition and literally walked you know two streets away and there was this estate sale and there was this incredible proud African woman this trechikov, and I thought I need right. that I'm going to take that as a Thing to remember. This so Tretrichoff is, is a
2: sixties kitsch artist who did the, the very famous, like the blue faced woman, yes. and they've got quite, quite bold backgrounds and they epitomise like sixties interiors. Yeah, A yeah, you know, yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. bamboo yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, And they and have, and, and they were, and you know, like what's what's the film Big Eyes? It was around that yeah, sort of right. time. Yes, yeah. With the the artist making the work of them, all them kids with the massive eyes. Yeah. And they appear a lot. So I mean, yeah. they were heavily, they were heavily made. So you probably got. I might have something good. You might have something good, but that's great, and that you live with that in your house.
1: I live with that in my house, and I and I got it through um, cut not customs, but you know when Imports. I took it when I yeah when I took it to the to the um, checking my bag in, they were like, <laughs> and I was like, how much is it going to be? And they were like, mm, probably about three hundred pounds to ship something like that back. And right. I ended up getting into a chat with the guy who was you know trying to charge me this sort of three hundred dollars, and we found out that we had like loads in common. Oh wow. We both connected over art. We both connected over food. He was like of Turkish heritage. I was like, I live in a very Turkish community. Hello. That's so cool. He, he put it through for free. No. I Love that, him. And again, when I look at the picture now, I'm like... That story. You're just you're all, of that just all to sorts it. of good. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah brings me joy. You so know, this
2: other artist though, sorry, just going back to this other artist you saw, yeah. have you seen the other work by this artist? Yes, I
1: have. I don't feel the same way about it. Really? Yeah, it's just that one. Wow. It's just that one. You never,
3: never know. It might come back to you. I, it might I've come I've got back. faith. I'm an eternal optimist. Yes, you are. To my, to my downfall problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Says the optimist. Can I just say something? Yeah.
3: So well, you started acting when you were six years old. Yes. And I heard that when you were like 12, 13, you were offered this role in theatre. Yeah. And you read the script and you said to your parents, actually, even though it's great to get on stage and have yeah. a paid role, I'm not doing this role. Yeah. Because I don't like the fact that it's representing um a black girl in this way yeah. or the black um characters in the play were yeah. being represented in a way that you didn't agree with yeah so from a really young age you've had a very strong sense of who you are and how you I want danced, to be so yeah. res- represented Too strong. and Too strong. i really no but i really really loved that and i oh. find that clarity of like because not everyone uh, when i was younger I, re- I used to make music and i really struggled with how i uh, even i was being presented or and yes. i was told by p- the record people that i worked with to lose weight and be thin and all this yeah. stuff from a really young age but i loved that kind of clarity you had and i, 12, I think is, yeah, yeah mm. to have that kind of sense of i'm not going to do this because when you're young you, you want to do you know you want to be part of things yeah so
1: can you talk about that a bit
3: you know relating to that story you mentioned about that role
1: in la yeah kind of it's um it's a funny one like starting starting to mess with your sense of self or your um sense of self-consciousness or just generally with your very fragile uh sense of identity when when you're so young by doing something like acting is is precarious there is a reason why child stars end up like being junkies or going on shoplifting sprees it's because you have you've 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 messed with your cognitive development perhaps too early um and i think that was the the sort of the case for me you know i i remember very vividly um and this is a moment outlined in my book out now Character yeah Bro- so zary has a new, a new book out called character breakdown I And mean, just the worst plug ever but that's no, what you have to do when you're an author every time yeah. you say anything you have to no, say, say you've it, got a book out has it been also, really hard for you to do that <laughs> yes,
2: <it laughs> i've always got books out <laughs> 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 no you <laughs> have to segue <laughs> to yeah but in my book everything's my book, a segue to, to the like, book yeah how did i
1: become this cheesy version of anyway um So, yeah, my first job, I really clearly remember age six playing a a six-year-old girl playing six-year-old girl, being on set... Um, working out what action meant, that meant you got into character working out what cut meant, because no one really explains it to you, they assume you're no. just there as a child just yeah. instinctively, just trying to do your best and uh, working out what cut meant yes, okay, that that means everyone sort of has a little break and walks around and I don't have to be in character anymore, right? And then this moment happened where, um, you know an assistant asked if I wanted a, if I was thirsty and handed me a drink, like a like a soda and I remember thinking very vividly, is this for me or is this for her? And I don't necessarily know who her is. And at this moment, I don't really know who I am. Oh, the characters. Yeah. Wow. Am I supposed to do something with this? Or do I drink it as me? Or do I drink it as a character? Character. And I thought, I'm going to have to just do it as both. And it was I suppose like a bit like Alice in Wonderland, you know, they're taking the taking the little eat, eat me, me biscuits yeah. and yeah. then sort of falling into a strange world. I think when I took a sip of that drink, I was like, That was your commitment to this, this, is,
2: this, is, yeah. this is
1: my I'm commitment an to an
2: assistant's brought lit me. Alice yeah, 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 yeah. This is it now. I've oh, signed right. the contract <laughs> with the devil. Yes. But
0: just
3: to remember you're age six. Yeah. I mean, wow. wow You've always powerful. had
2: this incredibly um openness with being able to reflect on whatever the situation is you're in. Like at 12, was people trying to talk you around? Like, oh, just get over it. Just do it. Was your agent like, what are you talking about? Just do it. The fact that you have that ability at that age to kind of understand your position in the world is amazing. Oh,
1: thanks, babe. I mean, in many many ways, if I had come from an acting background, if both of my parents were um, people who had more of an understanding about, okay, look, this is a West End theatre and you're 12 and it could be quite good for you, Mm. maybe things would have gone a different way and I would have been able to talk about my feelings in a different way. But Mm. I I had parents who were people who encouraged, I suppose... um, uh, activism in in, in in all of its different ways and really cared about storytelling and and really cared about my safety within my chosen path because it was a choice at that point. Yeah. Mm. Um. And I suppose the mixture of all of that in me in that moment when I said, I don't think this is storytelling at its best, I don't think I'm going to be able to serve this, I don't think it's going to serve me. Yes. It makes me feel icky about the world because I think these representations are unhelpful. They probably just went, oh my goodness, we've got one on our hands here. Let's just let her do what she wants.
3: And I know, I know, I don't want to be too like. I don't know what the word is but like sycophantic or begging you up to you know what I mean I'm not doing this for for the sake of that I'm just trying to be totally honest with the way I feel about your performance but like for example in Velvet Buzzsaw I feel like you take that the way that you were protecting yourself you took that to the character and from the minute you walk in you know there's that scene um outside the art fair and somebody calls you and says your boyfriend's cheating on you and and you you get emotional (laughs) I felt like you really represent and protect that character and I feel like you're very present in that role and that you you embody that character but that That's a rare gift. I mean, it's super rare, and that's why I really wanted to come and talk to you. You know, get you on the podcast because I I see you as being like you're you're a great actress, but you, I, I feel like off the stage, on the stage, you're sort of trying to protect you know us or yes. like you know all kinds of people yeah. and, and you know and I, I really oh. respect that so thank you for that oh honestly well, yeah, that
1: is the most lovely thing well do you know what that might be is that is the sort of the wink to the audience that I've always really loved in any kind of art you know I love a play within a play I love a, a, a you know um, um, I, I, I love things that feel like they have a double consciousness that aren't just there going hi I'm a thing but go like hi I'm a thing and you know, you know I'm, I'm a thing. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, I know yeah, I'm a thing. Yeah. So let's just have that little trade-off. Let's trade have off. this thing. Let's have <laughs> yeah, this thing yeah, 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 because we're, yeah. all, we're all kind of conscious and like one of my favourite acts of all time is Jack Lemon, yeah. who, uh, for me, does that so well as well. Maybe mm. it was watching him from a young age that has given me this special, lovely thing that you talk about but he always feels like he knows where the audience is mm. but without being cheesy. It's a twinkle. It's a twinkle. It's an understanding. It's a humour. It's a. It's probably like a self self-deprecation as well it, it it feels like a nice contract when yeah. when when you see artists of any you know mode doing that i really like that that's where the magic is i think yeah i think so yeah too. yeah, definitely
2: who did you base your character or who did you find for betrayal who did you kind of want to
1: so interestingly we were rehearsing opposite bermondsey white cube were you we were and the weirdest thing happened. I was having um, a bath every night because that just not at the white cube happened. <laughs> 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 Art installation. I actually, I actually think that Tracy Emin. Sell. Tracy Emin
3: actually has, has, has made baths in her work. She's actually yeah. had like a bath in the gallery. So you could have
2: well, could have well done Tracy's that. Bed, oh, uh, yeah. Tracy's bed. Yeah. Tracy's bath.
1: If I'd known in advance, <laughs> I would have set that up. Um, but I was sort of. It, really needing, like, space to myself. I'm not someone who takes that, that what I consider to be sort of sensuous, feminine space. Oh, keep knocking my mic. That's all right. Because because I don't like to sit still and think for long periods of time. Got it. But I suddenly was like, I really... Maybe being in a play with two men, yeah. three men, there's a waiter to character as well. And I was just like, I'm just going to take this sensuous Room every night and i'm gonna have a bath with like salts and oils i'm not that person mm. and i was in the bath and i was thinking who would my character uh, emma the gallery owner in betrayal be friends with and instantly tracy Emin came to my mind mm. because she is someone who explores that that space between the the, the the feminine or the um, energetically feminine or the female or, you know, the sexual. Um, So she came to my mind and I started to Google uh, videos of her and one of the first things that came up was that her incredible shorts about her abortion. And I was just going, oh my, why haven't I seen... They're very much in the 90s, you know. I I was like, why haven't I seen these before? These are hugely moving. I feel so connected to this woman. I feel so connected to... What she's talking about, and and um, oh, oh, all all had all the feelings, and then walked past net the next day the white cube and saw uh, her show was on fortnight of tears. Of course, yeah. And I was like, right, well, that's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to do my research for for Emma. Wow. And um, and I went along, and actually, <laughs> I managed. I hope you won't mind me saying this. I I, I dragged Tom along. Yeah. Tom Tom Edelson, did, Yeah, <laughs> because he plays a publisher. He plays my husband. And they uh, uh, and these two people in the play sort of have a um, a psych conflict in their marriage that isn't just about the huge betrayal in the play, but he feels like someone very much out of his time. He feels in an, in, an older world. And I, as the character, feel like modern and like I'm moving forward and I'm mm-hmm. going into a very contemporary space. And I thought uh-huh. maybe this has something to do with their differences in their relationship to art. So we had a walk around it, and it was incredible. First of all, the work is incredibly moving, mm-hmm. and abortion is something that we're just not talking about, um, or, or women and and, and that. Type oh well, they passed this pay. whole law
2: in Alabama now, isn't it? It's oh, just abortion. It's like where where are we going? It's like twenty five
1: white
3: men have
2: just decided women's, what about women's
3: health. Terrific. I mean, what is that about? what is that about? No, but I'm so glad people have actually made that, you know, image of all their yes, faces yeah. and everyone's posting it as much as they can because it's just
2: like... It's disgusting. It's totally disgusting.
1: disgusting. And then you walk into the White Cube Gallery and, and you know, it's a free exhibition and people are coming in of all kinds of ages and, you know... Um, Diversity, diverse. Yeah. Diverse backgrounds and there there is Tracy with these incredibly moving self-portraits and this huge sculpture of a woman kind of physically Bent over in 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 pain. It just has so. Many and also, vibrations. one of the huge
3: sculptures is a uh, meant to be uh, her mother. So it's it's of her mother. But her mother was eighty or something at the time. So it's actually a depiction of an older woman. Wow. As well, which I don't think a lot a lot of people just assume it's Tracy. But it's actually an older woman, and that's really important for Tracy. I think every interview I've heard, even in our one, she always mentions that this is a, a sculpture of an older woman. Right. A woman in her seventies, eighties. It's and I think that's really cool too. But
1: You get that vibration. You feel like this is all women. Do you yeah. know? You feel like this this woman heard yeah. it feels very yeah. very very deep
3: and it's really easy to knock tracy and so many people do but i do think that she They're was married. doing and saying things
2: she's always without even
3: she and, and also she's always been saying it but also she does it in such a poetic way and a relatable way yeah. and that's actually the power of it and i don't even think she sees herself as being brave i think tracy just can't help but communicate yeah. and yes it might be brave you know when you think of people like rose mcgowan all these different people now who are, who are speaking up and trying to that's help post social me too. Change. she was making this pre no, no, I know, I know. But, yeah. and, I, and I love Rose too But I, and, I, and I think I know Rose's book is called Brave and I think you do have to be brave mm. but even Rose I don't even know if she would have necessarily thought of herself as being brave right. I think she just had to do it yeah. and sometimes you have to do it in order to help move things on and help other people
1: I mean, the male gaze is, well, it's everywhere. And what I I love about Tracy's work and what what felt so special about that symbiotic moment when I sort of thought about her and knew that she would be a key into a character and then realised I'd been rehearsing for sort of, you know, two or three weeks opposite her newly opened Mm. exhibition. Was that... It, co- confrontation and looking down the lens is so important i think especially when you're a woman and whatever that means to you it's it the, the days of coquettishly kind of looking down into the side in a way and being Princess like Diana. am i being viewed yeah. am i not yeah. you know oh what, am am i on you know am yeah. i in your gaze am i not I, i'm so powerless it, 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 there's space for that of course but i think when i see work like Tracy's, where it's like i am looking down the lens Past you, mm-hmm. through you, into my own eyes, into my own future. I just I weep. I'm very moved by it and it stays with me. What so is that's great? that's what's underneath what my character and betrayal. It? Loved it. Did he? Loved it. But we had this brilliant moment where we were like, Yeah, totally. This can this can come into a relationship. Your 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 feelings about culture. Culture is massive. Yeah. People are trying to cancel culture, be like, oh, let's get rid of libraries, let's get rid of art, let's get rid of stuff. Um, But culture is what feeds the the soul. It's what it is to be
2: human storytelling, you have to connect to other humans through telling your own story, and you do that through culture, and if that isn't there, how are you going to relate to, how are you going to give a fuck about anyone else in the world if you don't know what they're feeling, and art does that.
1: Exactly, there's such a brilliant John Waters quote, I love John Waters so much, and I remember reading this quote when I was really young, him saying um, if you go... Am I allowed to say the F word on this? Yeah, totally. Exactly, yeah. If you go if you go if you go into a guy I can't do his voice. If you go into a guy's house and he doesn't have any books, don't fuck him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's true. So good. Yeah, but <laughs> you I had, gave me I, a on had a, water's book. I had a date recently, yeah, that one about his best friend, yeah. was not it? I had a date recently with a guy who was very, very attractive thick as shit and to the point where I thought I can't ever bring this person into my house because I have books and I know that if he sees how many books I have he's going to think I'm a freak from he because for him to have a book would just be like an anomaly
1: it's not gonna work it's
2: not gonna I was thinking wow and I can't imagine a world without being surrounded by books and culture and that's also quite
3: interesting because if you're thinking about a potential suitor or whatever you call it a relationship whatever a boyfriend I, yeah but sometimes <laughs> you can be physically attracted to somebody and you can even have a great connection with them but that doesn't mean you need to end up dating them no, because no. actually that in the long term isn't really going to be what feeds your soul is it No, I need to te- teach myself that I think
1: I think you you can also be you can be very um, unattracted to someone and then when they start to sort of share their taste exactly. in film yes. or their taste in art yes. you're like hold on a minute, a minute. the attraction's no. growing totally. that's why I think art galleries are such brilliant spaces for dates I get very turned on in art galleries actually wow. I oh, love that. And um, Good to a, know. A favor- <laughs> <laughs> famously have um, have misbehaved in art galleries in ways that I right, never Right, okay, would. what do you mean? <laughs> wow. Right, elaborate on that. No, don't elaborate on it. <laughs> I won't elaborate on it. I, let's it like, keep it
2: mysterious. in <laughs> dark video room. <laughs> no. yeah?
1: But even just like, I was in um, I was in the um, Picasso Museum in um, Malaga. I went to Malaga, I think, last year, the year before. And um, I was like... Stepping over the line and setting the alarms off and stuff like that. Ooh, but do we just turned on with, with your boots out or not? <laughs> <laughs> very much. <laughs> <undeniable ways down. laughs> I couldn't understand what the problem was. Um, <laughs> but I was suddenly like, I'm a naughty. I'm I'm a naughty child in a way that I've never been like naughty or disobedient ever in my life. I'm very much like a do-gooder, like prefect, yeah. do everything right yeah. person. But whenever I'm in art galleries, it just
2: you want to break the law. Just break the rules yeah. goes
1: down. I'm That's just funny. over overstimulated
2: so you you've made loads of notes today Yes. So, of shows that you've seen recently. Yes. And artworks, do you, do you want to go through a few
1: of them for us? Probably not, because my iPad's just died. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. We'll I can it that out. But the, the, the reason that I'd started looking was because I just wanted to remember some of the uh, shows that I'd seen when I was downtown LA oh, yeah. on Velvet Buzzsaw. So,
2: you went and saw a lot of the shows in LA, right?
1: Downtown LA. So, you went to like...
2: LACMA and you went to Mocha
1: and Mocha, Hammer Museum. Hammer, Hammer yeah. The Broad, OBS. Broad. But, like... House Worth yeah. it was like a whole day in itself that's like
3: a museum in itself it's so big it's I've amazing. never been I've not it's been there it's really good actually They've got a nice oh, restaurant, and a really good gift shop. It. Weirdly, you know, I love my gift shop. Oh, I love it. I love it. a gift shop, you do. And you, and for people listening to this podcast, it's really worth checking out um, Gemma Kearney's podcast, which is done for BBC Radio Six. And actually, Zowie is a guest on it, and you, you're in, you're interviewed by her in a shopping centre. Yeah. and you even talked about Andreas Gursky yeah. in that and that oh, photograph. Oh my
1: fave. you love that one. Oh, I love that so one. Where did well, you that's see that? Probably the first thing I bought, to be honest. When I went to Mo- when I went to New York for the first time, I went to MoMA and I fell in love with Andreas Gursky and yeah. I got what will now be actually um, a limited edition print of his 99 cent store so picture, photograph, which yeah. I'm obsessed with. Wow! So I have collected. Wow! Maybe, and you anywhere. live with that?
2: That's up and framed. That is
1: in my heart and soul. That's at home. Heaven. Yeah, yeah, heaven.
2: What else did you see in LA that? Stuck out for you.
1: There's a there's a photographer called Diana Lawson, and she is a, a contemporary American photographer, and she is working specifically with with the, the images of Black people.
2: Is she African American herself? Yes, yes, she is. Yeah,
1: and she is uh, as far as I can tell, as far as I'm receiving it when I see her work, just placing the Black body or the Black image in 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 places that you wouldn't necessarily see them or in ways that you wouldn't necessarily see them. So sometimes they're like hyper real scenarios like a mother and her daughter like posing in their swimming costumes in their f- living room or their mm-hmm. kitchen or whatever, you know, like very um, unposed, completely domestic sensual interesting sort of realms and then there's this one that I love an image of hers I love which is called Cowboys which is two black cowboys sort of in this very very dark background and it's these two black men with with um, kind of bandanas around their faces and this extremely atmospheric light, and you realize, huh? I've never really seen a black man on, on a horse before. Wow! In uh, generally, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. so it works on so many different levels. It's kind of playing with gangsterism, but it's also playing with like folklore and westerns. And brilliant. I just love the way that she's that she's futzing with 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 uh, with identity yeah. again. One of my themes, as you've said. Um, so Where did you I see really that work? Did you ever That somewhere? was at Mocha the right. so There was some stuff of, her, of hers at Mocha. Um Carrie James, Carrie James Marshall, Carrie James, oh, James Marshall was the main event at yeah. Mocha at that time, and that I was really phenomenal. hit between the eyes.
2: Oh my god! Phenomenal. I think he's was that. And that was much the Met. Was that the one that came from the Met? Did it go there? I
1: think it traveled. Yeah, uh, maybe it was that. Uh,
3: it, I think it looks different though. I think because the, the installation, the rooms are so different. Yeah. I think that's right. I think someone said that to me. Oh, I yeah, haven't yeah, seen who's... the LA. I saw in New York sort of retrospective
1: that was just life-changing. Yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's so lovely when that happens, isn't it? When was he, you
2: aware of his work before? Did no. You go, wow. That was like Amazing. one of those like
1: wow. in a sweet shop yep. moments. Yeah. I was just, blo- I was really blown away. Yeah.
2: But so many people are, when they come to his work and they don't know it, they are flawed. People are flawed by that work. And they're like, who's this guy? Why do I not know him? Also,
3: right. his, um, yeah. he, in the New York show, he curated a separate kind of room or part of his exhibition that was on display at the same time of other artists and um, other black artists from mm. history that had kind of been ignored. And some of them were in museum collections. Like, they might have one painting mm. in a collection, but it was never shown. Mm. And he brought all of... It was so good. I mean, there were some paintings in that show that, like... Just you know, totally moves me. I mean, incredible. I think love him.
1: One of the one of the best things to happen to me over the past couple of years was that I did a short documentary for the Tate Britain about an artist called Lorraine O'Grady mm. as part of the Soul of a Nation exhibition that happened at the Tate Modern, and it's you know undeniably one of the largest collections of artists from the African diaspora that we've ever had in the United Kingdom. And it's, you know, 2019 at that point. It was like 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember walking... And and Zoe Whitley and Mark Godfrey, who curated that show, kind of took me around the show. I was so lucky to have that opportunity. But one of the best things about it was they had put artists in dialogue with other artists, artists that had found huge fame... Instantly, as as artists of color in conversation, literally wall to wall, with artists that never really had their moment, mm-hmm. but you know posthumously had a moment, or it was just so. And they were British-based
2: artists, or was it international? International, right?
1: Completely international, yeah. and it and it just blew my mind, and and I had no idea. Also, who this artist Lorraine O'Grady was? What's her work like? It's it's incredible. She she became a live performance artist when she was forty. She decided to do it late in life, and she created some really, really interesting installations in in America and um, also is working in a very interesting way, sort of digitally, and, you know, she's in her 80s now, and she's still working. Have you met her? Yeah, so we met, and I interviewed her for this this short, and she gave so much insight into who I was as an actor, because she was like... Sometimes as a, as an a female artist of color you are being asked all the time to present something that's either so strong or so broken that actually you don't understand where you sit because of course you as a person are a mixture of all of those things you can't just put forward one idea of mm who you are mm-hmm. um and and i was like oh my god that is so true like half of the scripts that i get sometimes i'm like why does this woman just seem indestructible or why is, why does this woman have absolutely no <laughs> no <fun>. spine yeah. <laughs> um where are the where are all the bits in between cuz mm-hmm. that is the stuff that's harder to understand but it's always the stuff that is most interesting to play totally
2: would you want to play her one day
1: Oh my goodness, I'd love to. I'd love to play an artist.
2: Yes. Be amazing, wouldn't it? Maybe
3: that's something you could even like produce yourself. I think so. Or like, yeah. Russ and you could get together and think about this and think about it. I love that idea. My
1: my younger brother, cool. is what an incredible great story, though, artist. Actually, oh really? And I would love to give him a shout out. Yeah, Sam Ashton and his Instagram is Hand Texture Gallery, and he he is he is the artist in our family. Oh wow! And watching him go through everything that he's been through, you know, he was at the you know Roy, well, at the RAC. This Insta- RCA RCA. Sorry, why did I say RAC? It's
2: like a racing. company
1: (laughs) someone was talking about that the other day
2: the RIC club which is male only wasn't it and they've only started letting females in the last two years maybe that's where you is that the one shows you the type of circles I'm
1: (laughs) (laughs) moving in at the the moment when I mix up the RCA with the RIC Monaco calls Um, uh, yeah he went to the RCA and and that that journey of being institutionalised as an artist is very interesting to me because I went to drama school yep and um, and and that was you know came with all of its sort of complications because you can't really institutionalize something as objective as acting, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you can institutionalize something as objective as art mm-hmm. and finding your voice and your identity when you come out of.
2: Well, did an he feel a bit bashful? Like
1: I think it's he was so accomplished when he arrived that he left feeling. Like he wasn't as accomplished as he was when he got there. So, like,
2: as actors, they make you question every emotion rather than letting you be instinctive and yeah. just forgetting about that. They make you go like, so then you become technical, I technical. guess. Technical, yes, which is boring.
1: Yeah, yeah, and sort of maybe severs you from your truest instincts, yeah. a bit.
2: Did he? But he got them back.
1: He's, he. I think he's got them back, and he's, God. he's, he's producing work at a, you know, a really incredible rate. And um,
2: what's he? What's his medium?
1: It was very, very fine art at mm-hmm. the beginning, and now it's become a bit more sort of um, graph, sort of graphicy based, or um, you know, incredible collage that he's doing at the moment, which is Great. very. Oh, we we'll put him on our feet, don't
2: we? We'll stick him out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gosh, Love him. But do you live with his work? Have you got any of his pieces in your place?
1: Do you know what this is? So this it's is too again. This yeah. is yeah. He can't afford him. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is so again the artist's way, isn't it? Sometimes, but he he can't he can't um, let it go. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, letting it go.
3: What's yeah. that about? I think it's a really difficult thing to do because it is like a bit like your. Some artists need to have their work all around them in order to make the next work. So when they do an exhibition and it all leaves their studio, they can feel seriously devastated, and it can really upset them and actually stop them from making new work. It's really strange, and then. Often I hear, you know, like if you do a show and it doesn't sell, some people would be like, oh, I've, you know, really failed or whatever. It's not good. Other artists are like wicked. I get all my work backs and now I can continue because it kind of having it's like a narrative that's related to it. And with the problem with almost having successful artists where you're, you're young and you're making art and you're suddenly a big success is that your studio is empty the whole time. Because everything's being sold. So you make something and it leaves the next week. You know, it can be that extreme. So you don't have time to sit with the work, look at it, you know, just think about where you are, where you were, you know, where you will be, all that kind of thing, which is really important. So I often give the advice to some of my artists. I have a painter in America called Catherine Bernhardt who works with us. And when she started when we started working with her, she'd already become a bit of a phenomenon where people were literally trying to take grab them out of the studio. So I sat down with her and said to her before I worked with her, I said, You need to keep work for yourself. So if you make ten paintings, keep two every single time. Do not feel a pressure to give them all away. A, because your son, when he's older, will remember growing up in your studio. And B, you need to protect your own history and your own work you do not have to sell it all you will sell enough to survive and she was so shocked i think that i told her that no one else had really told her that maybe that and amazing? and i feel like i don't know where i even thought of that but i just suddenly felt it with her that i could see the studio just being empty and her making a lot of money and all that stuff but it doesn't mm. that doesn't bring like greater work in the future no. and now she has a whole warehouse i think full of paintings that she keeps and then also in the long term museums want to buy your work mm. if you sell everything from 2015 the museum can't have that work that was great and of that time, you know. So I it's I feel like protecting artists in that sense because otherwise it's a bit like just giving it all away and then you're you're empty and bankrupt and mm. you know you've lost all your yeah. I, th- I find it I don't know you're why providing I a that. public
1: service here, guys, because this that th- this is the psychology of artists that I think people don't really know or mm. understand. And that image of the tortured artist is so like you know it's a figure of fun, isn't it? And you poke fun at it, but it's a real thing. Mm
3: yeah it's really complex it's very complex I think I relate to artists because I was a musician myself from the age of 13 and then I stopped at the age of 29 I I've made two albums and stuff but I think I relate to the artists I represent because I was an artist Mm. and I understand what it feels like to go up on stage and even though it's not an exhibition it's totally equivalent it's part of your soul it's exposing
2: if you're a songwriter you're a writer you're an artist it's like as actors we're doing other people's words and it is exposing because you're putting yourself out there you're making yourself vulnerable in the arena but when you are creating work which is from your soul and putting it out there and being being judged on that, it's so exposing and it's a lot harder. What you're saying about the work being sold straight away, the incredible thing is when artists get discovered later on in their career yes. yeah. it's amazing because they have so much work and you can see every period yes. Totally, yes. you have a retrospective view of that artist how they were existing that's happened yeah. with a lot of female artists at the end of their days but in Velvet Buzzsaw it goes with it the D's is the artist yeah. who you discover yeah. who yeah. steal his work Yeah, the dead guy dies in the, the apartment guy. block I mean, but everyone's like what? this is crazy and it's yeah. been there the whole time and also yeah, I think
3: sometimes it's, it's so tricky with estates when someone's no longer alive because often the family might not have any understanding or education of what it all means mm. so they just think oh well I'm getting paid so let's just sell the art off yeah. or whatever and it's interesting in that film this idea that the artist actually had in his will not to to destroy everything and not mm. to sell it all and not to ever show it to anybody yeah, and, and to that's show. why it all starts he comes back it's like you know the, the idea that he's maybe haunting all these people and burning it all and making sure all the art does explode is because he didn't want it to exist. Yeah. And sometimes art doesn't need to be made to be to be to have an audience. Exactly. An Isn't audience. it incredible
2: yeah. that that worked? Like, that Henry Darger, that reminds me of. But that's the artist yeah. who did all them... Do you know his work? He's what? like an outsider no, but it's artist. The Haunting, but he yeah. does all the, all the schoolgirls and they're all kind of very risque dressed and it's all very macabre. Super macaw, strange. Super yeah. strange. Ooh. And he just lived in his mother's a house until he died and he used to make this work and nobody knew it was there and then when he died they found this work and it's like become became a phenomenon. It's very haunting. Very strange, Jake and Dinos Chapman yeah. are massive fans. It's very kind of macabre yeah. and these girls are kind of being tortured and oh. raped, aren't they? And it's, it's very kind of like um, yeah, Goya-esque yeah. and death. Oh. And, but, but, you know it wasn't made to be seen that was his perversions that his he was putting interior on paper world, yeah. his interior world but it's now out there in the world But
3: and it's become kind of fe- maybe fetishized, fetishized or something it's yeah. kind of strange you should look up well. very, it's, very it's,
2: complex. It's, it's really complex and incredible but that was definitely work that was for him him alone Yeah. he wasn't looking for a market he wasn't yeah. trying to make money he just had to tell these stories this the year. other yes. thing I, I wow. find so
3: interesting and I've seen it um, especially with some 90s artists that have passed away quite young maybe and then how galleries are able to recreate narratives mm. and and, um, Phyllis
2: Gonzalez and, Torres or Mike Kelly are you talking about or? no I'm
3: not, I won't say who I'm talking about actually. Um, I'm not talking I, those two actually I think have probably been maybe the way they've been looked after is actually okay but um but yeah anyway, and then you can see how narratives are created and how they manipulate situations to make mm. money basically and I find that really corrupting and really disturbing
1: it's it, it it's it's endlessly fascinating hearing about this and I think there are so many parallels to just be drawn with my own life from everything that you guys are saying it's it's i'm finding more and more art the way back into understanding myself if if that sounds so cheesy maybe i I thought i used to think it was so many other things and maybe these roles have actually been sent to me so that i (laughs) reconnected in a very sort of impassioned in, in way with art because, like you're saying, the institutions of it, the psychology of it, the feeling of it, the danger of it, mm. the way that maybe it will never be seen, the way the relationship to the audience, I just, oh, it's just all it's just all it's so um it's it, it's really helping me therapeutically Amazing. in a in, in a massive way so um
3: i think it's been the same for russell and i as well i think that's really? how we we got into it because i i got into art because of family trauma because my brother died and i got into frida carlo and the narrative of surviving wow. through making art and being creative wow. and then music like tori amos like um you know where you would talk about your your, your troubles and then mm. somehow you make that a positive thing through helping mm. other people through music and helping yourself through making music all that kind of stuff so I've always seen it as this healing healing, healing, healing thing mm. I
1: think my mum is using it to to um, be in dialogue with her early retirement. Right. She is the most avid art viewer. She's on every guest list in town. Just so you know, Vicky. <laughs> she's just incredible. She goes to everything. It's got to the point now where people think she's this sort of very Socialite. wealthy. Yeah, exactly. Secretly wealthy. So <laughs> you kind turn of up to events like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I didn't know you are going to be that. here. You know, kind of you know what,
2: though? That is
3: a wonderful trait to have. Isn't you know why? Brilliant? Because if you're an older person I think the best thing you can do to stay like young and healthy is to be interested in the world and to keep looking at things and learning new things I was yes. talking to my mum about it yesterday because we interviewed Janet Street Porter and Janet was talking about this idea of um, wanting to she said something in an interview that while I was researching um, about in Uber taxis she jumps in the front seat always because she wants to talk to the driver and get all their stories and talk to them because exactly she the wants to meet new people and get new ideas every day
1: you are like that I started to, I, I deliberately started talking to every Uber driver I, I got in with in, in New York when I was there and um, to, I wanted to talk about love with them, right? And and, and I just wow. had some of the best conversations yeah. I've ever had,
3: you know, had. as well. There's a podcast called Homo Sapiens, which is um dedicated to kind of LGBT rights and um you know, being gay and all, all it's of these podcast, topics. Will yeah. young yeah, yeah, yeah. and we um, met just now I'm
1: thinking, yeah. I think I'm gonna do that. Oh on did next. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. But he,
3: he's great and they did a, a Chris Sweeney, he does it, he's his best friend who's a filmmaker. He's just done that T V show um called Back to Life. Oh yeah. It's on a brilliant show. I think yeah. he directed it. A lot it. of it is
1: based in Margate. Yes. It?
3: Well yeah. it's based in Kent, yeah. Right, right, right. It's amazing. And um Uh, they go in a taxi at one point and interview this driver who they're randomly in an Uber taxi and she says something like, oh, I'm gay. And they end up interviewing her just on like a handheld device. And it's one of the best interviews they did. Oh, really? Yeah, it's incredible. Mm. And that encouraged me to go and buy the equipment so that we can go out of the studio and actually start interviewing people in the world. I think they're doing a great um, service with their podcast. It's a brilliant social it's very 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 important what they're doing
1: it's re- it's really important just just circling back for a minute to me, that thing that you said about you know getting into art because of trauma or whatever. um and and just talking about my mum and just this ferocious you know she she is an artist and she's an incredible photographer actually An amateur photographer but you know i'm going to build her instagram account and <laughs> take take the credit when she sort of becomes this name of of our times but um she i think like many women put her artistic leanings aside to have children. Mm. Right. And that's so now for Mm. me Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I think I'm ready to start my own family mm-hmm, right. and um and I feel so lucky that I've been able to express myself in so many ways well probably because I started so young I just got it out the way but um uh, you, you know you know I've, I've I've had a lot of artistic fulfillment in 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 my life before I decide to start this family and actually that's not the same for everyone and, no. and it's so um it's so interesting to just look back through the generations and think, wow, what a blessing it is that I have this relationship with art that I have now, which is very free and luxurious. And we talk about it and we use it to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if if I think back to like my mum or even like my dad's dad, who was a, an artist at heart, but always thought I just have to get a proper job, you know, and he even talked about it on his deathbed, 97, about what wanting to be an artist. Yeah. Wow. And never... Jump like jumping. So you just oh. couldn't. Did he
2: did he make work though? He did, yeah. You, he was an you, incredible you, artist. Where' where has your mum got all that?
1: In my dad's got we've got some of it. I think he 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 wasn't what we would call like a huge expressionistic painter, but he was extremely talented. Wow. And um, So it's in your blood. It's in there. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. Yeah.
2: Everywhere. Everywhere. It,
1: it's all over.
2: <laughs> You're riddled with art. So we ask all of our guests. A couple of questions. Yes. They're really tough, Zoe.
1: Wow. You better
3: prepare yourself.
2: First oh, question. No. If you could do an art heist, you could steal any work of art from anywhere in the world, touchstone artwork. It can be any size.
3: It doesn't matter if it's like 50 foot we'll tall. We'll crane it out. We will crane it
2: out. What we will help
3: you. It'll be like a whole movie in itself, us um. doing an art heist.
1: The 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 last thing that made every molecule in my body change was uh Basquiat's death on horseback at the Louis Vuitton Foundation. Oh, wow. wow! Is that so, in Paris? Yeah. Yeah. If you could go and get that for me, that'd be great.
2: Did you see his show when it was at the barbecue? I
1: did. I Loved it.
2: Have you seen the movie?
1: I haven't seen the movie because I find I find biopics a struggle. You do. Yeah. I need to see the movie. Though. I just need to grow. I think it's up. quite
2: nice. Of David Bowie playing Andy Warhol and oh. Jeffrey Wrights playing him, and yeah, it's just for that story. But what an, in, I mean, what his story? What an incredible story in Forever Twenty Seven <laughs> Club he's in, isn't he? I um, it's I used him. to,
3: I love. Him. Um, I was in New York a lot when I was in my band, and I helped a friend research a book about. Uh, Madonna, weirdly, about her, her life because yeah. she was my tutor at university, the writer of the Madonna.
2: book. Madonna? Oh, the book.
3: Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you Mad- you no, no, no. Was
2: Madonna a tutor?
3: <laughs> yeah. Not Madonna. No, Lucy O'Brien. She wrote this book about Madonna's life and wanted to focus on her creativity. So it wasn't going to be like a tabloidy book about her personal life. It was very much about the creativity of Madonna and why that was interesting. Because Lucy's mm. a really great... She wrote a book called Shebop, all about the history of women in music. Really. She's a really great writer. It's not like trashy or anything at all and I was touring with my band in America and I went and did some research for her because I was a musician so I knew all the musicians that Madonna had worked with I'd worked with some myself What was your band called? It was called Tempo Shark I made electronic pop music and some of my producers had made Madonna's music, so um, I, I, I got I got to meet Mar- Maripol, who styled Madonna in Like a Virgin in the early years. I um, mean, and in Madonna the Iconic. first album with all the you the know all, all of those clothes were designed by Maripol, and they beyond. were all part of the club scene. And I interviewed her, and she actually helped make the film Downtown '81 with Basquiat. Oh wow! It was her, her husband. I think they even paid for the film to be made at the time. They had no money, but they did it. Wow. And that that week I spent hanging out with Maripol in New York and discovering that film was so important in my development. And I'm so grateful for having researched that book because at one point I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't research this book because Madonna might get angry with me." Uh, you know, you just don't know, do you? What no, you what people know. would think? And I was a published musician then, so it yeah. was kind of a bit risky. Yeah. And then and then when she said that. Madonna's people knew about the book, they were fine about the book because they knew it was a creative angle, then I thought fine, I'll do it. And it was such a great experience to meet all these different creative, I interviewed loads of people, I interviewed some of the dancers no. from Madonna's Blonde Ambition tour and different oh. people like Carlton and a few people. It was so, so I, wonderful. I used,
1: I used to watch uh, uh, very much illegally, as a ch- too young, as a child, in bed with Madonna. Me too!
3: I used to watch we're it. we the same I think. Yeah, exactly. Me too. And I remember it was an 18 rated movie and I saw it when I was 15 or 14. I mean, I thought, and my dad was like, younger. should you be watching this? <laughs> and I was like, I loved it. It was so brilliant.
2: Did you see the book Sex as well? Did you? Yes. The, yeah, yeah. My, my friend's yeah. parents had it, and it was under the bed, and we pull it out and look at it. <laughs> Amazing! Like, oh my wow.
1: Love even myself's photos. So good. They're just yeah, yeah, yeah. Genuinely, still feels very taboo. Yeah. Weirdly enough, she regrets she was it now. Pushing, she the no, I don't think Madonna would regret anything she's done. Absolutely no regrets is one of her phrases. Oh, okay. The best, the best part of one of the best parts. I mean, there's just too many. But in bed with Madonna, and she's like the the the, the masturbation yes. scene on the bed yes. in like a virgin is threatening to get her shut down. in, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I think it was if Russia? yeah, was it was it Rus- if it Russia that there the, was the Pope had sent the Pope some, like, the Vatican hand oh, right. delivered yeah. letter or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um. And you just when you think she's gonna go, oh, okay, maybe I've gone too far, she's like, I'm gonna go even further.
3: Yeah. And that's how you change the world. And that we need how to get Madonna it. on as a guest. <laughs> She'd be amazing. She knew <laughs> Keith
1: herring She knew everybody. I she's think great. Think you would just be mute? I wouldn't. <laughs> it would
2: be me going. So, do
3: you know what? I've actually met her a number of times over oh. the years, and I'm actually that it's. I know she's a human being now, and I, I actually respect her more just as for doing all that stuff because she is a human being. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be mute at all. I'd be fine. Mm, yeah. So the other question we asked yeah. her, I guess, is what is your favourite colour?
1: Ah, uh, this could be controversial, but mm, my favourite colour is black. Is it? Yeah. The joy of black is a book that I plan on writing. Great. Obviously, I'll need to be kind
2: of. <laughs> is it like the joy of states? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kind of.
1: Yep. I um when I I had my first home, I was lucky enough to purchase a property with someone years ago, and um one of the joys that I found decorating was experimenting with colour. Mm-hmm. And I painted my living room completely black because wow. I'd seen it in, you know, probably Architectural Digital Digest. Digest. Yeah. And um, the joy that it brought me and the joy in researching the colour black was so surprising because it's so underestimated Great. as a colour or a tone, however you want to For describe it. For an interior, it. you mean? In general. Not in, in, fa- general. Not in fashion. Yeah, in fashion, in think? everything, it just blew my mind open. Mm. Just, just what it is to experience black in like a block. Mm. You know, um, it's it it's not depressing. Mm-hmm. It's actually very vivid, mm-hmm. and it's full of life, mm-hmm. and it has more depth. space and depth in it yep. than white,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it reflects more, mm. and it's. Um, Sets things off in ways that I never expected. And um, so the, the the discovery of black for me has been incredible. And I always knew that it was kind of my favourite colour, but I would always weirdly say things that felt more palatable when people asked me what my favourite colour yeah, was. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you know, Pink. deep yeah. blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But deep but like
2: blue, a, like, like a cobalt. Yeah. Cobalt. Really deep blue does have reflections with black anyway. Yeah. It does kind of have that sort of depth to it. What did people think when I came to your house and saw your living room all Loved black? It. They
1: did. When I said I was painting it black, everyone was like, <gasps> "Yeah,
2: what? I like, Have Tim, you like got like mad?" a Tim Burton movie. Exactly. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: Are you living out the childhood rebellion that you <laughs> never got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just tell me, are you emo? <laughs> <laughs> and was like, I was just like, no. I think it's very chic and interesting, and and people came over and and absolutely loved it. Really. Yeah. The, the other great
3: thing is not many other people do it all the time, so it's kind of a lot of people just paint their house white don't they or Magnolia or whatever. Yeah. so when you do do something like that it's a statement and it is really great
1: it, I, I've, I, I love that answer I channeled I felt I'd found myself when when I did that love that yeah, yeah. sorry this has
3: been the best Thank interview you. ever oh, I and love just before you too. we end I'm I'm obviously opening the gallery in Margate with Carl Freedman yes, and wait. have a new house there and I'm going to be living, and you live there as well I live there too. so I'm looking forward to hanging out with you there
2: well, you've got the too. opening a couple of weeks you've got to come along
1: yeah I've got to come along yes. yeah. well, you not be on stage I think yeah well I be 25th of oh, yeah, May which which I'll be 75 is
2: is still it's still December 2024 20, <laughs> you're probably <pretty laughs> still doing, still doing. Oh, I think that's the last night oh that's the
1: last night alright
3: and also we need to come and see you in Betrayal because I haven't seen <laughs> it yet. oh he's yes. seen it I haven't seen it I'd yes. love to come and see he's
1: you too. but thank but, you for watching Velvet Buzzsaw because I feel like that movie is going to last the test of time I do too like nearly everything else I do it's kind of got an edge to it and yes. and, and, and will not have commercial value in, in today but will okay yeah and it lives
2: on Netflix forever as part of their
1: Content. And Rene Russo is my new best friend and you should be obsessed with her because she's amazing. I really, can you That's just try, try and get and her word. to come on this podcast because I've been a hero, she's one of my heroes. I don't know if you could deal with her. her realness. We're doing we'll an American series. On. Can we get Jake
2: on? We're doing an American he series. He collects art, doesn't he?
1: Can. Jake's an arty. Art. Yeah, he it. exists in circles. He, he, well, he very much exists for art. But um, yeah, René. We can
3: continue this conversation. But after. what's your Instagram quickly? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's Zoe. To Zowie, my yeah. share. Like, <laughs> like, 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 Madonna clearly. You know, I'm trying to work one single names. <laughs> <Love
2: her. laughs> I, want, I just want to be Russell. Love that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Thank so, you. Uh, everyone follow at Zowie. Buy Zowie's new book, Character Breakdown. Um, who's it published by? It's published by Chasso and great and that's out now and um, it's been such a privilege to spend time with you I feel like we could do a whole series with you you could just keep coming back on every month Um, yeah I love this Um, thank you so much everyone listening we're going to post pictures of all the works we've discussed in this week's episode on our Instagram at talk art please give us uh, lots of love on Apple Podcasts. you can give us five stars that would really help lots of love we'll be back soon Bye. Bye. bye bye You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland, London, by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to Talk Art on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. <laughs>